Praise be to the Lord God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Our text for our sermon is Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. I thank my God every time I remember you. Every time I pray for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. I am convinced of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I am equally convinced that it is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, for both in my chains and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel... You all share in this grace with me. Yes, God is my witness of how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love may still increase more and more in knowledge and every insight. This will result in your approval of the things that really matter, so that you will be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Of the apostles, the apostle Paul nearly insisted on self-funding his ministry. He was the only one who did this. And he funded it by making tents. However, the Philippians were a congregation that often supported his ministry anyways. And now he has been four years under, shall we say, house arrest in Rome waiting for that time which is about to come when he will get to appear before Nero and argue the case that Christianity is a legal and acceptable religion. And that time Nero will say it is. In the meantime, the Philippians send him a gift to support his ministry. And today's letter, uh, as the epistle to the Philippians, really is a thank you for that offering But he notices in that offering, he admits, you always are helping me in proclaiming and sharing the good news of salvation in Christ. So it's Advent. We look for the coming of the Lord and we prepare the way for the Lord. So our sermon theme for today's text is Advent means preparing the way for the Lord together. I will be preaching on my own translation because there's a few uh, subtle nuances of uh, some of the words I want to bring out. In verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, I keep on giving thanks to my God upon all the remembrance of you guys at all times and in every petition of mine on behalf of all of you. I keep making that petition with rejoicing. Isn't it amazing? Paul is in Rome. This is some time since that first missionary or the second missionary trip where, as you recall, he hears there's some people who some Jews who worship the Lord. There's no synagogue there. And he goes down to the river and he meets Lydia and her and her whole household are baptized. Later, a demon girl's running around screaming, these are men of God. Listen to them. And, and, and Paul exercises the demon. And he never says, I'm a Roman citizen, meaning I get a trial. He allows himself to be beat so he can end up in that jail in, there in Philippi, hoping to convert the, the, the inmates. And the Lord blesses his, heart, his, his evangelism efforts. He even gets to baptize the jailer and his household. After that, 
in, in the arguments of the people and everything, you'd think Paul would think less of, not necessarily the converts of Philippi, but, oh, that city where I took a beating. No. Petitions. He's constantly coming before the people and, and, bringing, and bringing requests to God. Lord, strengthen them. Help them to share your word. Help them to look out for each other. And if we skip to verse 9, he also says, And I keep on offering prayers about this, that you guys' love may still abound more and more in full knowledge and all discernment. We'll get into verse 9 a little bit more. But notice how Paul prays for them. And they're obviously praying for him and they're supporting his ministry. Let me tell you a story, uh, something that an event that happened in my life that taught me something about prayer. It was over 20 years ago. And there was a cross going on in my life that was causing me a lot of stress and anxiety. And I would talk to Christian friends about it and they would tell me, well, I'll pray for you. Here I had come to brothers in Christ saying, help me, I'm drowning. And I, while it sounded pious, I'll pray for you. There was no help. There was no advice. And it really seemed to me, I can't read hearts like my friends, I'll pray for you, was really a nice way of blowing me off and saying, I want to sound nice, but get lost. The Lord resolved that issue. And a couple of weeks later, a brother in Christ came to me with a problem. We sat down and discussed some solutions. And before he left, I said, let's pray about this. And I'll never forget when I was done praying with my brother in Christ, the way he looked at me holding back tears. Apparently he had the same experience. He said, I talked to other people and they said, I'll pray for you. He said, you're the first one that I know prayed for me. You sat down and prayed with me. He knew the problem was resolved because we had taken it to the Lord. Advent means preparing the way for the Lord together. And that means praying for each other. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And it doesn't just mean praying for each other in our private lives, in our private prayer life. But when a brother or sister in Christ or even an unbelieving neighbor comes to us with a problem because they know we're a Christian, take the time and pray with them. In more ways than one, you are preparing the way for the Lord because you're praying for them. And the Lord promises, he promises you, he's your father. He's going to answer your prayers with the best answer. The apostle continues, verse 5, I, basically looking back at verse 3, I keep on giving thanks to my God. And he says, on account of your... And the Greek word that's used here is the same one that Paul uses for the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, on account of your joint participation in regards to the good news from the first day until the present time, since I have been convinced of this very thing, namely that he who began the good work in you guys will be carrying this out, it will be carrying out its completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, they didn't just partake of the, of the good news of salvation in Christ with Paul. We call that the gospel. Making it their own because the Holy Spirit gave them faith. They didn't just say, that's mine. Yes, mine. They also shared in it. They shared it with others. Again, this offering is to help Paul in his ministry in proclaiming the gospel, to help provide for him while he's under house arrest so that the good news of salvation in Christ will be found to be legal and they won't be harassed by the Roman government, at least for a few years. Notice there the word that Paul uses, koinonia, a joint 
participation. Not just making it their own and taking it. Yes, this is for me, but sharing it and sharing in the proclamation of it. Advent means preparing the way to the Lord by working together in the good news of salvation. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, I've become convinced of this, that he who began a good work in you guys. That's not just faith. When you have faith, unless you reject God, you're going to heaven. But if he's still carrying it out, that means he's still doing work through them. Now, let me tell you how this happens. When somebody shares the good news of salvation with you and the Holy Spirit enters your heart and begins and, and, and gives birth to the new person, that new person is united to Christ, engrafted to him. And Christ then does good works through you. Now, my catechism kids learn this and they'll say this on examination Sunday and they're getting pretty good at this law as a guide. Law as a guide means we, we can't keep the law. But because we've been saved, because we've been forgiven, because we have that new man, the new man now knows here is what glorifies God. We do good works not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. And we know what good works are by looking at the law, right? And the law begins by telling us thou shalt have no other gods. When we trust in God for our salvation, that is a great work. And we work together, not just pooling our offerings together, not just doing the plowing for snow and, and the maintenance and helping decorate and things like that. There are lots of ways, and God has given each one of us gifts that we use. So we see Advent means preparing the way for the Lord together by praying for each other and by working together in the good news of salvation. The Apostle Paul continues in verse 7, and so far as it is proper for me to have this mindset on behalf of all of you, his very way of thinking about the Philippians, he says, because my having you in my heart. Now, that's also the seat of thinking by, by the word that's used uh, in that time uh, uh, scripture being written. Having you bo in, both in my restraints while he's under house arrest and in my defense and in my confirmation of the good news of the gospel. Paul is not just thinking of Jews everywhere and Christians everywhere when he appealed to Caesar, who in this case would be Nero. He even specifically had in mind the Philippians, and yes, he specifically had in mind the Thessalonians and the Corinthians, etc., as he's under house arrest, he recognizes. He can think, uh, put, put, put names and faces before his heart. It's so this person can worship the Lord unmolested by the Roman government. There is really keeping a brother or sister in Christ in the heart and mind. And he continues, second half of verse 7, since all of you keep on being Joint participants together with me of grace. He adds the working together already to that Greek word koinonia. Your joint participation, participants together with me of grace. God's grace has made them family. And not a dysfunctional family, not a family where people hate each other. A family that is united because they are the body of Christ and they all receive the forgiveness of sins and they all share the forgiveness of sins. They use the binding and loosing key together and so they have each other in their hearts. The Philippians didn't say, Paul's under house arrest. 
He said, you know, Paul's got to be doing work up there and Paul needs our help. He's our brother. And he, while he's there, before he even knows that this gift is on the way, he's even making his defense, which is going to come very soon, thinking of people like the, the members of the congregation in Philippi. So he says, indeed, God is my witness, how I keep on longing for all of you in the deep affection of Jesus Christ. There is a love that is supernatural among believers. A love that comes, and it's supernatural because it comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from being engrafted to Christ. Advent means preparing the way for the Lord together by growing, by keeping each other in our hearts and minds. You would be surprised how often it is people come and visit a congregation and walk away and say, I will never go back to that congregation. Why is that? Those people were cold. I always remember the first time I went to Good Shepherd Cheyenne. I always had doctrinal concerns about my church body. And I quickly realized I need to make sure that I'm not jumping out of the frying pan and into another frying pan or into the fire. Because that group treated me as a brother in Christ. They were so loving that I wanted to belong. But I also had to make sure they had the word of God right. So Advent means preparing the way for the Lord together by praying for each other, by working together in the good news of salvation, and by keeping each other in our hearts and minds. Paul continues in verse 9. And I keep on offering prayers about this, that you guys' love may still abound more and more in full knowledge and all discernment resulting in you guys examining for the things of greater value so that you may be pure and without stumbling until the day of Christ. Paul is praying that they will abound more and more in full knowledge and all discernment. Full knowledge of Christ. Being able to discern, no, that is not Scripture. Yes, that is Scripture. That is law. That is gospel. Here's the time that we need to apply gospel. Here's the time that we need to apply law. Paul is praying here that the song of the Philippians isn't Jesus loves me, this I know, and that's all I want to know. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes it's really neat how we can study the scriptures and, and we can get into the deep end of the pool, if you will, and find out some pretty deep things that we hadn't thought of before and then be able to apply that. Apply it. how it is that that baby lying in the manger can be God, and yet how that man on the cross can die. Because he's true God and true man and has come to be our substitute. And how, those, uh, how both of those uh, natures communicate with each other answers a lot of questions. And as we study the word of God, we learn those more and more. It is amazing to stop and look just at the temple. You know, when I was younger and I would read the Bible, you could get into some of those descriptions like Ezekiel's description of the temple as the New Testament church and, and, and the, ten, the church as, as it is in all eternity. And you can want to go to sleep. But isn't it amazing when you actually step back and see how all those things were teaching of God's presence among us in the body of Christ and how it breaks my heart when people say, why do we need to know that? I'm done. I don't want to hear that. And our brothers and sisters in Christ who are staying away, they don't. They don't understand how they're hurting themselves, but they're also hurting the person they would be able to testify to and apply the word of God. And Paul says, resulting in you guys examining for the things of greater value so that you may be pure and without stumbling until the day of Christ. Paul is saying, 
what is not just right from wrong, but what's of greater value. And I think a really good biblical example of that is Mary and Martha. When Jesus comes and the one sister sitting at Jesus's feet and the other one wanting to serve him. And neither one of them is wrong, but she gets, Lord, tell my sister to help me. What you want isn't wrong, but what your sister want is the better. Sometimes that's where we're at, right? We've only got so many of us here at Lord of Lords Lutheran Church. And sometimes we might have to say both these things are good, but this is what is the best. And let's go for that. So we grow together in knowledge and discernment of the word of God. And then we're able to use that to be stewards in dividing up what is the best way to serve. Advent means preparing the way for the Lord together by praying for each other, by working together in the good news of salvation, by keeping each other in our hearts and minds, and by growing together in knowledge and discernment in the word of God. Paul says in verse 11, having been filled full of the fruits of righteousness, namely that through Jesus Christ, resulting in God's glory and praise. You and I can't grow those fruits in and of ourselves. In and of ourselves, we are dead. When the Holy Spirit gives birth to the new person and engrafts us to Christ, we are credited with Christ's righteousness. But Christ uses the analogy in John 15, which I go to in almost every sermon, of a branch to the vine, because the sap of Christ flows through you with your new man. The things your new man does is righteous. Your sinful nature, as is mine, is always unrighteous, and the two are always in conflict. And when the new man wrestles with the sinful nature and says, no, I will not let you be in control, that is a fruit of righteousness. When the new man fights with the sinful nature, he says, it's Sunday, let's sleep in. And the new man says, no, let's go hear the word of God. Let's go rejoice in forgiveness. That is a fruit of righteousness. When the new man prays with the neighbor, when the new man tells the neighbor of salvation Christ, when the new man gets the backbone to tell our brother or sister or a family member or a friend, what you're doing is a sin and it's condemning you. And then is able to tell them and in Christ it's forgiven. That is a fruit of righteousness. And so we actually grow the fruits of righteousness together because we are the body of Christ. We are all connected to him. That if you, have, if you are a believer, you are connected to Christ. And as we sing hymns, we're functioning as priests. That's a fruit of righteousness. As we gather together and hear each other's problems, a fruit of righteousness. You get the point. And so, yes, the Apostle Paul rejoices at how the Philippians wanted to support his ministry because... They all wanted to share in the good news of the salvation of Christ. And as we look to the birth of Christ, this season is a beautiful time to share the good news of salvation in Christ. Advent means preparing the way for the Lord together by praying for each other, by working together in the good news of salvation, by keeping each other in our hearts and minds, by growing together in knowledge and discernment, and by growing the fruits of righteousness together. Amen. And now the brilliant light of Christ will continue to shine on our sin-enshrouded hearts, and his light will continue to guide our feet on the path of peace. Amen.